Hey guys, you're listening to Wags and Whiskers. I'm your host, June, here with my very fluffy co-host, Oliver. Join us for another episode of Wags and Whiskers. Good morning, Wags and Whiskers tribe. I am your host, June, here with Mr. Oliver today. I hope you're start to your day is going well and that you had a really good weekend. I am actually taking some time off which is needed from my day job and me and Bella are just, Bella's my daughter if you don't know, we are just going to hang out. But before I do that I wanted to tell you another story and this story, I've had it for a while. I've been kind of thinking about how how can I present it to you guys? Just because there's like so much intertwined with it. So today we are going to get started with a yellow lab named Marley. Marley, like I said, was a yellow lab and obviously male. He was born in 1991 and he was adopted by Jen and John Grogan. Jen and John were newlyweds back in 1991, and they both were newspaper writers for um, a newspaper in West Palm Beach, Florida. So Jen sees an ad in the paper for young puppies, yellow lab puppies, and she talks to John about the puppies, and from what I was reading, John's kind of like, eh, don't know if we can do a puppy because you killed the plan I gave to you. But they end up deciding that, you know, they're going to get this puppy. So they go visit this, this puppy, or these puppies, I should say. And when they go out there, one of the puppies actually sits on John's foot. So that's the puppy they end up getting. They had to wait a few weeks to get it because obviously puppies need to be eight weeks before they can go home. And they ended up paying $350 to this lady for the puppy. So before they get this puppy, they're thinking of names. And they come up with Marley because a Bob Marley song comes on the radio. And it's like, hey, we're going to name him Bob Marley. So, Or not Bob Marley, they're going to name him Marley. So that's where Marley got his name. So... I know you guys remember when you were young and getting married and you're like, we don't need kids right now, but we'll get our first kid, which is our fur baby. And I know I did that and everything. We have like all these high expectations for this dog is going to be like the best dog ever. And we're going to train them kind of like our kids. Like when we have our kids, we're like, yeah, they're going to be the best. And then you have kids and you're like, Ugh. but anyway, so they get this, the, they get the dog home. And they have this space out in the garage, and Marley's going to stay in this box, and just it's going to be this this wonderful thing. This dog's going to stay out in the garage. Well, the first night, um, John listens to Marley whine for an hour and a half in this box, and he goes back out to the garage. When he goes out to the garage, Marley stops crying and is wagging his tail. So John ends up taking the box inside in the bedroom, putting his hand in the box with Marley, Marley goes to sleep. So it's already off to a bad start, <laughs> as you guys know, being dog owners, where this is going. So Jen and John, 
start raising this puppy, okay? This puppy, this cute little puppy, turned into a 97-pound, stern, buff lab, like we know Labrador Retrievers to be. Well, Marley has a little bit of ADD from what John says, and Marley is extremely hyper. Marley is tearing up this cute little house that, you know, your first house, you make it like perfect and everything's perfect in the house. Yeah, Marley's tearing it up, okay? Marley is eating through drywall. He's eating everything in his path. From some of the documentaries that I watched, um, John made the comment that um, his vet actually gave him medication because Marley was just so hyper and um, going back to things that he would eat like well, later on he would you know he ate a pregnancy test that they took um, basically scrapbooks he ate um, a necklace I mean just anything you can think of this dog oh a paycheck this dog would basically put stuff in his mouth, I about said a bad word, put stuff in his mouth and basically John would have to basically pry Marley's mouth open to get all of this stuff out of Marley's mouth. John mentioned in one of the videos that I watched that they actually got kicked out of what I'm, I'm understanding to be kind of like a dog program, like the woman was mad because they couldn't control his dog. I don't know if it was actually a program. I can't remember, but he's like, she's getting mad because the dog's being so hyper. And he's like, well, that's kind of why we're here. You know, um, slobber everywhere. You know, just like, oh, broken windows. The dog broke windows, too. Like, a total horrible dog that all of us understand just the extent of how bad and how all the things that you go through with a new puppy and I you know everybody's like oh puppies are cute yeah they're cute but the things that you go through is just it's just amazing bust out screen doors too don't know if I mentioned that so as time goes on with Marley um Jen actually gets pregnant and she actually miscarries and one part um, that he talks about is that Marley comes up to Jen and this normal hyper dog just puts his head on Jen's, um, Jen's legs and just is being sweet and just very loving. And, you know, the John, the way he talks about Marley, you know, he jokes about how hyper and everything he was, but... The, you know, he had the sweet side, and John and Jen, in like the documentaries and stuff, talk about how Marley taught them so much. Um, obviously, Marley was around when they had their three kids, and he just talks about how they, Marley taught them how to basically be understanding and be so much better at being parents because of just dealing with him and all the, the different situations. And a lot of people, you know, why didn't you get rid of the dog? He was just like a Hellraiser dog. But the way John and Jen thought about it was that they brought Marley into their life, into their home, and that was forever. So I thought that was, that was pretty cool for him to say. And every dog owner should be like that, but they're not. So Marley is this crazy dog that they 
love to death because even though he's crazy, they still love him because he's theirs. He actually, even though he was hyper, he was actually in a 1996 movie called The Last Home Run. And he had just like a little brief stint. I saw a little piece and like a little kid trying to walk him. And anyway, it was pretty cool. But in 1999, the Grogan's ended up moving to Pennsylvania where John took a job as an executive editor of a magazine. And later he actually got another job, but they ended up back in Pennsylvania. So they're back in Pennsylvania in 1999, and obviously Marley is still Marley doing his thing, but... He ends up passing away in 2003, four days after Christmas. And John, um, John, Jen, the whole family, I mean, they're just basically crushed because they raised this puppy from when it was little and went through so much with this dog his whole life. And um, John ends up burying... Um, Marley at his residence where they are and he has it he he still has it to this day marked with just you know just like a simple stone so after Marley passed John actually wrote a column about Marley and just their life with Marley and in the, the video that I watched John said that you know when you write the columns that you usually get you know maybe 50 people that you know make comments about, you know, what you wrote, and this column, actually, he got 800 messages from people, and John's thought was like, man, there, there's something to this, like, people basically just relate to the column and relate to it, so in 2005, John wrote Marley and Me, Life and Love with the World's Worst Dog, and it was published by Harper Collins, and the story is basically about Marley's life and about all the ups and downs living with Marley. And obviously it, it's like a historic, I must say a historic document of basically John and Jen's life too together. Because it started when they first got married. They were newlyweds. The book ended up being a New York bestseller for 78 weeks. That's, and that was in 2005 and in 2009 I was I was reading an article that was done in 2009 at that time there was more than 11 million copies that were in print and it was in 11 different languages like the book just basically took off and I think anybody that has read the book or knows the story it's it's just so relatable, especially for those people that have had that dog that was just like you called them the devil. I mean, I had one. My my Katie that lived for 19 years, I thought I was not going to live through it. She was a little miniature dachshund, a little red miniature dachshund, and I love her to death. I will never have another miniature dachshund just because she was that dog for me. But, I I mean, she, I loved her. I loved her to death and wouldn't change anything that she put me through ever. And that's basically how people related to John's story and John's book. So, 
John had like several spinoff books from Marley and me and the spinoff books and they were adult books all the books were written for adults but John said in a video that I watched that there were so many children that could relate that he actually wrote children books as well for more along the lines of a child instead of the adult books so obviously you write a good book what do they have to do they have to make it into a movie so Fox 20th Century bought the rights to the book and in 2008 people know Marley and me because of the movie um, but it was actually John and Jen's true story of their dog Marley and obviously the movie um, I'm sure there's added parts in it and parts that are exaggerated because it is a movie and it was a comedy and I know everybody has seen that movie it made me cry I was actually when I watched the movie it was a year after it had come out and I was pregnant with my son and my husband at the time was just like I got this cute little movie about a dog and about how bad it is because we had bad dogs at the time and I had Katie obviously and um, I had had Katie for eight years at that time and she was still just as bad and um, we watched the movie and I'm not going to tell you the ending but I cried and cried I'm like why would you do this to me why would you bring in obviously he didn't know the ending of the movie or anything like that but um it was just a really good movie and a lot of people remember Marley and Me the movie and in the movie there's actually there's a lot of it that um is similar to the book I mean obviously it was written because of the book and um there's parts in there you know like Marley eating the necklace part in that movie is actually part of something that Marley the the true life dog actually did during his life with John and Jen. The movie was actually played by 22 dogs if you can imagine that and six of them six of the dogs that they actually used were actual rescue dogs so I thought that was pretty cool and one of the puppies um, in one of the scenes, um, they bring home the puppy for the first time. One of those puppies was actually one of the Grogan's two dogs, um, Woodson, um, now. So I thought that was pretty cool, cool that they used actually one of their dogs for the movie. And they were actually on the set for the taping of Marley and Me for a period of time. So obviously during the taping of the movie... Um, there, it was played by 22 dogs, but two of the main dogs was a dog named Clyde and a dog named Rudy. And Clyde was a rescue, and he actually had most of the screen, screen time. And he, if you're looking at one of the adult dogs, it was probably Clyde. And he was actually nominated for a Teen Choice Award for the lip locking between Wilson and, um, Clyde in the movie. You have to watch the movie. I'm not going to tell you all about it, but it's it's a great movie. you got to watch it. And then Rudy was another dog, um, an adult dog, that was played 
part of the adult scenes, and Rudy had a pretty neat story. He was a rescue. He was actually adopted 24 hours before he was supposed to be euthanized, and he was um, adopted by Susan and Dean, and I think it's Susan Woolley and Dean Kagawa, I think. But anyway, they volunteered at a Labrador Retriever Rescue in Florida. And basically, when the movie was coming out, they were needing these people. They needed a, a whole bunch of dogs so they could make this movie. And Susan was like, I got the perfect dog. He kind of acts like this dog. So that's how Rudy got in the movie. I think the movie went on to do pretty well. I really don't know. I know I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was it was a sweet, sweet movie and very relatable. So I enjoyed the movie, actually. I know at the box office, the movie made $247.8 million. And they're estimating that it made over $71 million in video sales of the movie Marley and Me. Which got me thinking, I was wondering how much John and Jen's net worth was, obviously, for this famous dog. And I found that it's estimated that his net worth, well, their net worth is worth $30 million. So that is the story of Marley, a.k.a. Marley and Me the book and Marley and Me the movie. And I am so glad that... John wrote that column and that we actually got introduced to this dog because I think that it, the story is so relatable to anybody that has a dog or has ever had that one dog. So what possibly could I have you guys to think about this week with a chaotic crazy dog that they end up falling in love with? And at first, I was like, oh, what, what in the world do you say about this? But then, you know, you guys, I, I started thinking about the hardest things in life sometimes are the things that bring you the most joy and are the most um, prized possessions. I guess you could say they are the things in life that make you a better person. They make you um, stronger. They make you appreciate life more. So this week, if you are going through hard times at work, at home, whatever is hard for right now, like if you can't do something that you are wanting to do, just think about going through what you're going through now. There is some kind of outcome on the end, and you're going to appreciate these hard times that those hard times you're going to remember, um, they will be historic, whatever that historic means to you, but they'll actually mean more to you down the road. Right now, it seems like it's more of a pain in the rump than anything else, but remember that the hardest things in life bring us the most joy. Um, think about your kids, think about those dogs, um, Think about all the hard times that you've been. What was the outcome of it this week? And instead of thinking about how hard the time is, think towards the future. Whenever I get past this hard time, what is going to be on the other side? Think of the positive and just 
not so much the negative that is going on or the hard time that's going on right now. What is going to happen after? And think about it like that as once I get past this, I'm going to be okay. And once you get past that hard time and you see another hard time that's coming, get past that one. And just keep going like that in life. And eventually when you look back on these times or those times in your life, they're going to teach you something. They're going to bring you joy. They're going to show you why you had to go through that to get to where you are now. So that is my thought for this week. I hope you guys have a good rest of the week. And I will talk to you again Monday. But until then, be great and dream big. Oh, 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 oh,